ops, and a little bit of paranoia. Welcome to the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. Welcome, folks, to tonight's episode of the Iron Sysadmin Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate, and I'm joined by Uncle Mark and a, sp- Holla! And a special guest, Ed Scotus. Hi, Ed. Hello. Hey. Good to see you. So if we've got Ed on, it must mean that we're getting close to the holiday season and he's got some fun things to talk about in in the world of Santa Claus and maybe Elf U. I don't know what the theme is this year, but we're going to be talking about a holiday hack. Yay. So, how you been, Ed? I've been good. Well, I mean, the, the whole COVID world kind of sucks and everything, but yeah. that said, you know, compared to uh, how things could be, things are good. And, you know, work is good, uh, you know. My coworkers are wonderful to be with and, and work with. Uh, I'm very fortunate and thankful for that. Um, but I do miss travel. I never thought I would say that. I miss travel. I miss getting out and seeing right? you know, the industry. So. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big one for travel either, but uh, even I miss it. I mean, I'm, I'm just yeah. as content to stay at home. And I've been joking since the beginning of this that this is the battle I was born to fight. Um, because I'm definitely a homebody, but uh, even I would just love to be able to get out, even just take the family out for a day trip somewhere, you know? It gets, yeah. it gets boring as, as, being stuck at home. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I hate United Air, I, I kind of want to be cursing them out as my as I'm sitting in Newark waiting for yes. my flight that's now been delayed because they're incompetent, because that means that there's some Red Hat or other Linux customer visit or seminar or something on the other side. Right, Yeah. right. I do miss yeah. that. So uh, yeah. I guess uh, little did Dave Kennedy know that when he canceled DerbyCon, he was going to bring on a plague. Yeah, really? <laughs> it's <laughs> a all plague upon all of your houses. <laughs> He's like, it's I'll cancel my days. con and then you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, so I guess for the benefit of those those listeners who maybe don't know who Ed is, Ed, you want to give yourself a brief uh, sort of high-level introduction here? Sure, sure. So um, I'm a penetration tester. Uh, I'm an instructor with the SANS Institute. Uh, I have a company called CounterHack. And what CounterHack does is we do penetration testing, general security consulting, uh, expert witness work uh, for breach cases and things like that. Um, and we also build cyber ranges for people to you know, increase their cybersecurity skills. Uh, we have a you know, bunch of commercial ones that we create for the SANS Institute. But um, there's a free one that we create for SANS every year called the Holiday Hack Challenge. And we're like 21 years into this, um, and it's getting close. It is less than a month away. So less than a month away. That's awesome. Crunch time. Crunch time. Right now. You guys, uh, it was you I saw right. Gave a talk. I think it was even at DerbyCon that we were just talking about. Um, you have yeah. a, a like a miniaturized scale model cyber range, don't you? Where there's like physical. We do. It's yep. Cyber City. Yeah. It's a yep. It's a 187th scale city, and. Uh, you know, there's a little train, there's uh, buildings, there's, you know, all kinds of stuff that moves around and it's controlled right. by real industrial control system equipment. So, you know, we have actual, you know, PLCs that are associated with, uh, you know, power distribution, uh, water control, uh, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's Cyber City. So if I hack Cyber City, I can actually make the trains run backwards and make the make the the toilet water flow out of the poor resident sinks and stuff well, like that. Well, not the toilet water thing, but the train. The the goal there is to derail the train. Uh, um, now you can poison the water because you can change, you know, what's being put in for purification and such. So you can poison the water, but the water's not wet because the electronics don't 
like that. The, yeah. What the water is, is it's plastic with light shining on it. <laughs> I see. Yeah. Still, it sounds, like a, it sounds like a good way to practice being an evil overlord. Right. Yeah. We did try to write the various scenarios so you're trying to stop evil from happening. Oh. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> but look, can you really stop evil if you do not understand it? There you right. go. There you go. This is it's often used by the US military. So I, I definitely want to keep them on the good side. So <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Mm. Yep, yep. So for example, in the derail a train scenario, you actually need to derail a train. The reason you need to need to derail it is there's a dirty bomb on it. Ah. And they want to drive, yeah, drive it into a uh, a, uh, a residential center and, and cause problems. So you just derail the train and that's a much safer way. So we had to kind of think through all these different scenarios to try to make them positive uh, and not evil. <laughs> right, right. So like, hey, I figured out how I can make uh, you know a controller that will derail a train. Now, how do we turn that into a training exercise that doesn't sound like we're yep. just trying to murder people? <laughs> That's exactly it. Yes. And, and you know, we were for the most part successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there was, there's another scenario there where um, you can control the traffic lights using a, an antique protocol called Modbus, which is actually widely used to control traffic lights. And uh, all right. So how do you write a scenario there? Well, right. what we did is the bad guys. What's that? I said, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the bad guys get in there and they turn all the traffic lights green simultaneously. You know, so that's mayhem, and you have to get in there and fix it. You got to set it all straight. I again. saw this in a movie once. There were rollerblades, and yes, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Was that Actually, uh, was that like a bad '80s uh, teen movie or something? Or you're talking? No, uh, it was the the movie Hackers from the '90s. Yeah. Oh, oh Hackers. That's yeah. right. With a young Angelina Jolie. I've seen that movie entirely too Indeed. many times. Well, I don't know if there is yeah. such I've things seen... too many. I've seen it a lot of times. Yeah. How's that? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever hacked I've a Gibson? Seen... No. Did, was it, is that even based on anything true? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think they made it up. But it's, it, it is interesting, this whole idea of having to get into things that have been screwed up and, and fix them so that evil doesn't happen. That's actually a big part of this year's Holiday Hack Challenge. Uh, you know, and I'm going to be you know, sharing a little bit uh, of ideas. I haven't told anybody else that yet. But the, the fact is, you're going to have to fix some things that some some bad person has, has screwed up. That's pretty cool. So. I made a career out of that before I joined Red Hat as a, as a sysadmin. <laughs> I was, you know, the guy to make sure that <laughs> my systems didn't we now broke. Get, yeah. And when they did, I had to fix them. <laughs> That's what we now get to do. give customers advice on how to yeah. not do That's that. A, yep. It's a better place to be. I can just <laughs> picture, you know, what percentage of discussions with sysadmins have this phrase in the sysadmin's uh, uh, vernacular. You did what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, I, I, for, for as terrible of a day as it usually turned into, I actually looked forward almost to the days when it was some tricky hacker has gotten into something and I need to figure out what they did, what they got, right? I mean, it's, it's just a fun yep. challenge, right? You, you don't really want it to happen, but when it happens, it's it's just a fun challenge, right? And it yep. sounds like, you know, things like holiday hack, things like holiday hack are perfect for that because it's, you know, yep. low stakes. There's no, uh, <laughs> there's no jobs on the line, no people's private data, no uh, whatever, no safety. Are you kidding me, Nate? The entire holiday season is on the line, good, right? Good I mean, you have to save the holidays or they destroy it. It's a good thing holiday but hack draws such a high caliber of people. Yes. Yeah. They save it every um, year. <laughs> yeah. Last year, last year we had seventeen thousand people play, and uh, this year 
because of lockdowns and COVID and such, we're right. expecting right. more. Um, we're kind of hoping to hit 30,000 this year. Uh, and people play from all around the world. Um, they, you know, it's, it's just fascinating because, you know, it's, it's holiday hacks. So there's Santa Claus and there's elves and all that kind of stuff. But we have people playing from uh, Japan. We have people from South Africa that play. Um, there's a big contingent of folks in Saudi Arabia that, that play holiday hack. Um, and it's just and, and it, people of all ages, too. I mean, there's kids as young as seven or eight years old that will play holiday hack. Um, That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really cool. I, I, look, maybe we'll get above 30,000 yeah. this year. We'll see. Yeah. Well, we um, so as uh, during Security Awareness Month this this year, um, Red Hat sponsored, not sponsored, Red Hat ran a small CTF for, you know, just local for employees. And yeah. uh, the the folks who participated, we were at, we were just chatting in a, a GChat group after the fact, and I brought up Holiday Hack, and it seemed like there were a number of people that were actually interested. So maybe you'll see a small group of Red Hatters walking around in Holiday Hack this year. I hope so. I hope so. We really we try to write it for everyone. I mean, it's family friendly. So if you've got some kids and you want to start teaching them, you know, sysadmin stuff as well as cybersecurity stuff. You know, it's great for that. But then some of, you know, the most talented hackers in the world uh, play this every year, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the whole gamut. I mean, we have some challenges that are really easy. We have some challenges that are really, really hard. Um, and, you know, we just try to make it fun. And the other thing is all the challenges we put in there, we, we try to make them real world. I mean, they're all dressed up. So it's Santa Claus and the elves and, you know, bad guys. Uh, taking care of things <laughs> this happens all the time man <laughs> yep where's mom, where's mom? Yep. there's a quota there's a quota of nick's family barging into his office that's, that's, every that's episode nate, not nick i don't know who you know named nick but that's that's happened before oh it must be uh it must be the saint nick <laughs> that must there be you it. go it's, it's holiday hack well played sir well played well played i don't know where that came from i'm old we'll go with okay, that okay we'll too. go with that uh, so anyway, you mentioned what sixteen thousand people last year. How does that compare to like the year before, the year before that? Even I don't want to put you on the spot. So but... If you go back to tw so we were we were kind of capped out around nine or ten thousand in two thousand fifteen, two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, and then in two thousand eighteen we jumped up to thirteen thousand, and then in two thousand nineteen we jumped up to seventeen thousand, and now we're hoping to kind of go to thirty. Um, so, you know, what happened? Um, I think it was the addition of KringleCon. So KringleCon is a, so, you know, I guess fundamentally the question is what is Holiday Hack Challenge? Yeah, that's right? a good I mean, thing to answer, right? <laughs> I'd like to know that. Because yeah. can, can I, I, I want to front load a, a thought here. Sure. Um, one of my hobby jobs is I'm an assistant scout master. Yeah. Um, and, and we, um, we have we have scouts that are anywhere from in our program like uh, eighth grade, seventh eighth grade, all the way into high school, mm -hmm. and some of them are kind of nerdy, right? Yeah. So the question I'm going to be asking you is, uh, what actual skills do you realistically need to bring to this to have fun with it? Because we are right now trying to come up with. We, do, we usually do a gaming day during Christmas break every year. Yeah. And because yeah. of COVID, that's going to be hard. But I'm wondering if we could maybe integrate Holiday Hack into some sort of a, of a, of a fun event for my troop. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I think that'd be really cool. I know there's a lot of schools that do this, you know, high schools, even junior high schools. There's a lot of companies that do it as well, um, where they'll have, you know, a group of five or 10 or 15 employees that just set aside a day and play Holiday Hack. Um, 
government agencies do that. I know there's several teams from the U.S. Army and Air Force, uh, Navy, I believe the Marine Corps and Coast Guard uh, also have uh, some teams that play. Um, so so I, I think, Mark, you'll, you'll really like it. It'll resonate with you. But the idea is, so what is it? I mean, fundamentally, it's a series of cybersecurity challenges and, frankly, sysadmin challenges that you, you have to solve. But we wrap it all up in this package of a video game. So you have an avatar, and everybody else has an avatar, too, and you kind of hop around in this game, and you find assets. You talk with Santa Claus. You just click on him, and he, he starts uh, giving you messages and such. And, and there's this plot, this vast plot to destroy the holiday season. You have to solve these technical challenges by figuring out you know, how to deal with them. And then the plot kind of unfolds, and you have to stop a nefarious supervillain from destroying the holiday. So, so you've got the video game, you've got the challenges, um, you've got the social aspect, because you can work as teams, you can chat. There's a chat system inside uh, the game. There's a conference that's associated with it. It's a virtual conference. We were virtual conferencing before virtual conferencing was cool. So, so we call it KringleCon, and this is going to be KringleCon 3 French Hens. Last year was KringleCon 2 Turtle Doves. We figured we can milk this for another you know, nine or so of At them. Least. Um, so, so there's a conference. So you can see these talks. You just go into the conference room and you watch a talk from you know, various speakers. Uh, there's a custom album of music that uh, I commission every year from some of the greatest musicians in, in the, the hacker world. Um, and we're going to have uh, Count Ninjala is coming back. He's a great DJ nice. that does amazing mixes. Uh, we're going to have Dual Core, uh, rapper, uh, the, the rap group. Uh, they're going to be doing some great uh, stuff for us. And a couple of other surprising twists there for, for music. So we released that album. And uh, so, so it's all part of this big package. And it runs from the second week of December until the first business Monday of January. Now, we keep it up year round. You can actually play last year's right now if you want to practice or get an idea of what it's like. Just go to holidayhackchallenge.com. Um, but for the actual competition where there's prizes, it runs from second week of December to January 4th. But, but to get to Mark's point, you know, what, what, what do you have to bring to this from a knowledge perspective? It's designed for all levels. So if you're brand new and just trying to figure out how this kind of stuff works, um, there's going to be puzzles and challenges for you to solve. But if you're like a, a seasoned sysadmin or a cybersecurity professional, there's going to be stuff that will challenge you as well. And we indicate very easily. You can see which ones are the easier ones. So you start with the easier ones and advance your way up. But, you know, we have a challenge. I'll, I'll tell you this right now. Um, Tmux, you guys must know of Tmux and right, yep. good yeah. stuff, right? Sysadmin helps you out a lot. Uh, there's a challenge associated with Tmux this year, right? Um, and it's one of our easier ones because you know, I mean, it's you got to start somewhere. We have you know challenges going from that. All, the way it's set up is we have what we call terminal challenges, and there in the video game, you just hop up to a little terminal, you click on it, and then we use this really cool technology called Weddy. That's Web Tty. And it pops up in your browser a terminal, a command terminal. So you can start typing things. And, and there's an elf that you can click on standing next to it. And the elf needs you to solve something inside the terminal. And these are usually sysadmin issues. So some nice. thing, yeah. So you go in there, you help the elf solve the sysadmin issue. And we build those, those things, these terminal challenges. So they take maybe five to 15 minutes to solve. But what they do when you solve that, the elf is so thankful the elf starts giving you hints about the overall objectives. And the overall objectives are those bigger things, 
an objective might take you as little as 10 or 15 minutes. Some of the objectives might take an hour or two or three. Um, and they, they're the ones that get progressively very hard. So the terminal ones, nice, simple little popcorn sysadmin challenges and learn stuff. But that gives you the hints. You earn the hints from the elves, which then lets you solve the bigger challenges. And the bigger challenges this year, we've got all kinds of cool stuff um, ranging from web application vulnerabilities, uh, crypto issues. Um, there's just some really, really cool new challenges uh, that the team has created there. Uh, you're going to see some uh, very important protocols uh, that maybe you don't get a chance to see all that often, but they're super important uh, for controlling critical infrastructures, let's just say. <laughs> so there's lots of cool things. And, and our whole goal is to help people learn. It is, yes, it's competitive in some sense, but the focus is on having fun and learning. The story always has some twists and turns so that stuff happens that you don't expect. We try to make it really whimsical and sort of magical. Um, in fact, you're going to see some really, really cool magic in this year's. Uh, but we, we do try to make it fun and fun for all ages, too. You know, while it might sound very kiddie like, um, you know, I think an adult would like to get a, a good laugh out of it, too. So. I think nerds tend to be whimsical themselves, most yes. nerds anyway. So Agreed. Super Original Recipe, which is now making me hungry for some delicious chicken, yeah. is asking in, in the YouTube chat, Ed, have you considered Kubernetes challenges? I've always wondered about what sort of difficulties there are in creating that type of challenge. You know, yep. A cluster seems tough to replicate for all players. Absolutely. We did look at it. We wanted to have a Kubernetes challenge this year. But we've got to come up with some better ways to scale that in an affordable fashion uh, and with some breaks on it, too. Because if you have 30,000 people trying to do stuff in Kubernetes on your Google Cloud account, suddenly you have no money left right? you're, yeah. and you're giving it away for free. So we, we've got so we, we did look at it this year. It's not going to be in there this year, maybe next year. Um, but, you know, we did look and try to think of how we could do it in a way that gives people good experience, but that doesn't um, potentially cost us like a huge amount of money. A billion dollars. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, yeah. from because then you'd have to you'd have to be evil and hack a bank. And that would totally uh, it's the spirit of being a good penetration tester. Now, to that end, um, you know, it, people say this all the time and it makes me really happy. They say if you want to do something truly nefarious. In, in the cyber world, like some big hack that you're planning on, you should do it the day we launch holiday hack because all the people that could investigate your, your, your hack, they're all working on our stuff. So they're not looking anymore. You see? So maybe I shouldn't be so happy that people say that, but oh no, <laughs> all the eyes turn to holiday hack. So that's your chance to go and, you know, commit cyber crime. So another, so. another question from chat here, this came, came in through Twitch. In case you're unaware, Ed, we're, we're multi-streaming now. We go to Twitch and Facebook and, uh, and, and YouTube. YouTube. Uh, so anyway, nice. uh, Scar asks for those that are new to playing, what type of hardware do you need to play? Um, anything with a, uh, you know, reasonable system that you bought over the last three or four years. Um, so nothing fancy and it's just, uh, from, from it's all running your browser. So everything. I imagine you want a keyboard, like playing yes. it on a tablet's probably not ideal. Yeah. You, you're definitely going to want to type. Um, it will render as Linus intended. <laughs> yeah. It will render and run in your phone and you know, your, your, your tablet. But that said, the, the virtual keyboards there are not very good for, for doing, you know, 
significant work. Right. And so I know in previous years there were there were things where you had almost like an offline piece where you had to download something and hit it with some kind of a tool. You know, yep. and that's and we still have some of yeah. that. Um, it, we're increasingly moving to everything just online and in the browser. But there are some things, some skills you need to learn where you're going to download a bit of firmware, you're going to download, mm -hmm. you know, a file for forensics analysis or something like that. So we we don't want to remove that entirely because it's important skills to have, right? Um, but that said, if we can give you a user interface into something that's some asset that's online we're, we're trying to do that as much as we can yeah so how much of it and i realize this could be difficult to quantify mm -hmm. how much of it is before the show we were talking about playing adventure games right yeah yeah how much of it is like a fake terminal that basically is running some clever scripting and how much of it's like you're legitimately hacking you're legitimately hacking i mean yeah, all of it those are fake terminals you did a really ah. good job they're yeah, you literally get a shell. Real yeah, you you do get a shell. So, and it's it's a really cool technology stack uh, that we're using. So again, we're using this Weddy thing, which is Web TTY. You're going through that to get to a Docker image, right? Docker. Yep. And then the Docker image is being you know hosted underneath by Debian, which is being configured and pushed via Ansible, uh, all running on uh, Google Cloud. Um, so, and it, it, th these, these, uh, Docker terminals through Weddy are just beautiful in the browser and they're, they're full color terminals. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, they can even support, uh, emojis, which is kind of fun too. Um, so in we're trying to sprinkle those things around. Also, there's a lot of, uh, you know, message of the day kind of, uh, holiday graphics and stuff that pop up when you launch these, these terminal windows. So little, little emojis of candy canes yeah. and. Candy cane, snowflakes. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're yep. they're fun. And it's like every single one of them goes along with some kind of a story. You talk to an elf, the elf tells you like, oh my gosh, um, I forgot my password. <laughs> can you can you help me break into this, uh, this, 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 this encrypted archive or whatever, right? And then your task yeah. is go to the terminal and do the thing they've asked you to do. So it's, yeah. I, I just the way you guys integrate this stuff and you put the story around it, it's not just a bunch of challenges. It's, you know, it's not just, here's a list of things to try to get done. It's there's story around it. There's, there's a plot. There's, there's a video yeah. game for, <laughs> for crying out loud. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's pretty so, Yeah. So, so how much, how, how do I want to ask this one? How much vendor specific knowledge would there be as opposed to general open source knowledge? In it's, other words, yeah. you know, would I need to have a deep understanding of a particular vendor's technology, such as probably not VMware, but that example is just kind of springing to my head. So we try to base as much as possible on free open source stuff that you can readily learn on your own. Now, there one challenge last year, and they're coming back this year, um, was created by Splunk. Um, and Splunk is, you know, great technology, great, great company. Um, they did create a challenge for us, but I even told the Splunk folks, hey, your challenge has to be solvable outside of Splunk. So in other words, yes, they can use your tool to solve it, but you have to write the challenge in such a way that people could use other tools to solve it as well. Does um, Splunk have an open source variant or no? It's totally they have closed. A, well, they, not open source, but they do, there is a free... Yeah. Uh, limited version of Splunk. You can only get okay. so many logs per day. Um, but uh, but I did say there has to be a free open source way of it, figuring out the solution to the challenge. But that's the only one that falls into that category where there is a, a, a commercial 
uh, piece of technology in there. But it's so widely used. So many organizations have access to Splunk and they do such a high quality job that uh, we had them do one last year. They're doing one this year. It's one of the 12 uh, uh, objective challenges in the thing. Gotcha. So one of the 12. But even if I'm not familiar with Splunk, I should be able to crack, to tr crack the challenge using dirty, dirty hippie tools. Dirty, dirty hippie tools. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and if you want to learn Splunk, remember, there's going to be elves there. There's, if you help them solve their sysadmin problems, they will give you hints on how to use Splunk to solve things. Nice. Too. Oh, I don't have any objection to Splunk. I've just yeah. never, I've never been the Splunk guy in my organization. Yeah. Yeah. It was never in my swim lane. Yeah. So you could either, you know, uh, use the open source tools to do it, or if you want to put Splunk more in your swim lane, you could, you know, you could solve it with the hints from the elves. And I assumed open source, right? But yep. that's that's fantastic. Obviously, as Nate and I are both Red Hatters, see Nate, not Nick. Yep. And long before Red Hat, I was involved with open source. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah, we really do. Um, you know, there's there's some windows here and there because I mean that's just a factor of life. This is a reality, yeah, right? Yep. So there is some Windows stuff, but you don't need a Windows machine yourself. Because um, there's a lot of people that don't want to buy it or don't have it, you know, especially, you know, this is worldwide. So there's people in other countries, maybe very poor countries that have, you know, free open source operating systems because that's what they can get. Um, yeah. and, and we do think about that a lot. We, we want to be universally accessible to the extent that we can be from people of all income levels uh, globally. Um, you know, so we don't want to have somebody say, oh, you got to spend some money and set up a server or you got to... Um, you know, get a cloud account somewhere to do something. We, this should all be completely free. I mean, yes, you have to bring some hardware. Um, but besides that, and, and the hardware would be easy though. Yeah. Right? And we don't want the hardware to be like smoking fast, you know, latest, greatest stuff. We're, we're trying to make it run 60 frames per second um, in three or four or five year old uh, laptops. That's great. That is yeah. great. So uh, moving along to, the platform, which we've we've talked about quite a bit now, I'm I'm kind of curious because I don't know if we covered this last time you were on, but you guys have yep. you've basically designed your own web game to to create this world yep. in. How how did that go? Like, um, did you did you find some game developers to bring in, or did you guys just learn this from scratch? Did you have some expertise when you when you brought it in? So we have um, so we started doing the video game piece in 2015, and in 15 and 16 we used BrowserQuest, which is a free open source video game platform that runs primarily in the browser with Node.js on the back end. And we used that and kind of learned it, but we kind of hit its limits. Um, we wanted to be able to tell more complex stories. So in, in 2017, we started experimenting with developing our own game engine um, with React managing uh, the, the user interface um, and then interacting um, you know, using uh, Redux uh, with the back end, it's all done over a web socket. And we did 2017 kind of as an experiment. And then in 2018 and 19, we kind of really roll, rolled this thing into production. So again, it's those Debian bases with a lot of Docker uh, stuff on it. And we've implemented, uh, you know, requests come in via the web socket. We've got RabbitMQ as a message bus. We've got, a, it's about eight or 10 microservices that deal with things as they come in on the message bus. We're using Redis as a data store um, to handle all of that. And it's we're very, very careful on what happens client side versus server side. Well, why? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, 
the many issues. Remember, we're trying to make sure we're not taking too many resources from the client. Right. But that said, Google compute on the back end costs money. So we got to be careful we're not taking too much on the server side. So we're dishing it out. But then there's the cybersecurity piece of this. Never trust the client. Yeah, right. Never trust the client. Right. Especially but, with this with this audience. <laughs> that's exactly right. But here's the deal. You will see for some of our challenges, we purposely put too much trust in the client and you have to find that yeah. and abuse it. You see? So mm. there's a, a lot of, you know, kind of thought that goes on there for performance, for cost, you know, our own costs, uh, but also from a security perspective, there's certain like things that we don't want you to manipulate in the game and therefore they need to be tracked on the server. Um, then there's other things we want you to kind of mess around with and, and that all gets pushed to the client and you need to start digging through that. So it's, uh, it's, it's fun. Um, we're not using Kubernetes on our own server side this year, but we're experimenting with it. So we'll be using it probably next year. And then, you know, like we said, we'd like to have a challenge based on it, um, but we're not there yet. Um, yeah. Cool. But we've been doing some pen tests in Kubernetes. It is a, it is a really fascinating space uh, with a lot of common misconfigurations. So we, we definitely are going to start using it ourselves in next year's challenge. And we're going to try to figure out a way that we can do a cost-effective uh, implementation for people to find vulnerabilities in it in a realistic way that's not just like some sort of toy. So you've... Our favorite young lady, misconfiguration. <laughs> yes, <laughs> misconfiguration. That's right. Uh, and then uh, the military personnel, right? There's a, there's a major malfunction. Uh -huh. Right. Um, then there's a, uh, what is it? General failure, I suppose. Right. Your general protection. <laughs> general protection. And, and his faults. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you've, you've touched. Internal panic. Right. Right. You've, uh, you've touched on infrastructure and that's really sort of the last thing I really wanted to talk about since we are a show for sysadmins. Uh, you've mentioned Google, yep. Google computer a number of times. Like what, what does the underlying infrastructure of this thing look like uh, without, you know, opening yourself up to people trying to abuse that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it is this series of Debian based images that sit in the, the Google cloud um, and have various little dockers that run on top of them, implementing microservices, implementing those terminals. The, the wetty terminals are actually, you're connecting into a Docker instance. And there are vast, vast numbers of them. And they're, they're spawned up as users use them. Oh, we're also going uh, this year, we hadn't done it last year, but we're doing it this year, multi-world. Because we need to scale this mm -hmm. thing. I mean, we're thinking we might get 30,000 people. So last year, when you'd go in, um, there was a single world. So if, if you know Nate and Mark both logged in and you had your little avatars, you could and see Nick. each other. And Nick. Yeah, and Nick. Nick. All three of you, right? <laughs> you, could, you could see each other. You could talk to each other. That, that's a nice aspect of the game. That's really cool. Uh -huh. But it limits our ability to support tens of thousands of people simultaneously. So we now have the ability to spool up multiple worlds and to add additional worlds to it. The thing of it is, you'll see other people in your world, but it might not be your buddy. Um, which is, you know, that's kind of a bummer, but we need Can it you do it regionally? Mm, I, I could ask the team if they could do it regionally. Um, then I think we are overweighted though for North America. 
So mm. North America. You call North America fat? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Look, it's a holiday season. We got Thanksgiving coming up. And then, yeah, yeah, well, you know, yeah, that's true. Yeah. A lot of us aren't going to have a lot of people over and we're probably not going to cook less food. So, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you have your, your routine, right? You got to cook the 24-pound bird, even if there's only six people. I have a 20-pound <laughs> pound turkey defrosting right now. But I awesome. like leftover turkey. I love yeah. leftover turkey. Yeah. Leftover turkey on squishy white bread with mayonnaise. Oh, it's funny. Man. It's funny. This is the first year that I can recall that my wife and I are talking about what we're going to do with the leftover turkey before Thanksgiving. Because we, yeah, we just know there's going to be too you're gonna much. You're going to eat it. <laughs> yep. You're going to eat no, it. No, I mean, what, what exactly or how are we going to eat it? Are we going to make turkey barbecue? Are we going to make turkey stew or soup or, you know? I think the answer is yes. yes. All of Everything. Them, right? yeah. All of them. Turkey milkshakes. Get ready for it. Turkey milkshakes. That might be a little much. That milkshake will not bring all the boys you gotta, to the yard. You got to get your turkey protein milkshake. somehow, right? My turkey milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. I, we were going to get some singing. Hey, you know... um. I, I shared with you some idea of the technical challenges, right? I mentioned crypto and TMUX and this and that. I'd like to share a little bit more on the story. Absolutely. Not the full story, right? <laughs> so, so from a story perspective, there's a couple of things that are going on now. Um, so remember, um, Mark, this is uh, new to you, but um, a villain I like stories. destroy the holidays, right? You know, if you go back to like 2015, Cindy Lou Who, age 62, wanted to destroy the holidays. Uh, oh. 2016, it was Doctor Who mm -hmm. wanted to destroy the holidays. And they all have their different reasons for wanting to do this. Uh, 2017, it was Glinda the Good Witch, because she was trying to incite a war between Oz and the North Pole. Uh, 2018, it was Hans Gruber, essentially the Die Hard movie, everybody's favorite uh, Christmas movie. It's the best uh, Christmas movie. <laughs> it is. It I, Die Hard it, and multiple versions of A Christmas Carol. I already are my, saw are my go-to Christmas. I already movies. saw that argument cropping up on social media today. Oh yeah, it's not an, ar <laughs> it's not an know, argument. It's not an argument. It's a it's a statement. It's so. Truth. 2019, our villain was the Tooth Fairy, and she did it just out of jealousy. She was jealous that right. Santa gets all this attention and everything like that, so she's trying right. to destroy it. But at the very end, the last closing scene of Holiday Hack 2019, the Tooth Fairy's in an orange jumpsuit because she's been arrested. She's going off to prison. And there's a little note that she dropped on the, the ground. And if you click on that note, the Tooth Fairy had written in the note that she was collaborating with Jack Frost. Mm. So we kind of had a cliffhanger. It's like in The Incredibles when Mole Man comes out at the end. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do? So so we've already told people who the villain is this year. It's going to be, well, Jack Frost. But here's the deal. Last. So if you go back to Holiday Hack 2018, we um, we hosted the video game. It was inside Santa's castle. So you hop around in the castle, but it got so crowded with so many 13,000 people. Yes. <laughs> 2019. Yeah, it felt like one of these, you know, technical conferences where yeah. everybody's packed in. Not COVID friendly, not right? Or I guess it not is COVID friendly. It's not social. Fortunately, distance. you didn't have VR with smell. That, yeah, right. That <laughs> That's a good thing. So, so anyway, we moved the venue last year from, from Santa's Castle to Elf University. Mm -hmm. Elf University. Elf U, we called it for short. It's the, uh, the largest venue at the North Pole. At least it was. But it got pretty packed, too. So, so Santa invested heavily over the last year in an expansion of his castle. So Santa's castle is now a lot bigger. We're moving back to the castle. It's still a little bit under construction. You might see some dust here and there. And, you know, elves are wearing hard hats as they continue to work. 
Um, but it's almost done. And uh, Santa's super excited to invite, you know, 30,000 people from around the world into the castle. Um, and he's going to kind of show you, you know, through the castle and such. I, I think people are really going to love it. So we're moving back to the castle. The other thing I want to tell you about is Santa, it's probably stress. You know, I mean, it's been, it's been a, a hard year. Um, and then all the stress of opening this castle up. Um, so Santa's behaving a little strangely. Um, and you're going to have to look into that and figure out what's going on there. Mm. So, so that's what I wanted to share with you from what I've heard from what's going on at the North Pole. Um, you know, moving back to Santa's castle, super excited about that. Um, Santa behaving a little strange. That's weird. Um, now, but does, Santa's people... does, does Santa employ TARDIS technology? Like, is the castle the same size on the outside? <laughs> it, it, there, are, there has been a TARDIS in the last three or four holiday hack challenges. Usually Santa has one on his yep. desk. Yep. Okay. I don't know yep. if he's employed that technology for his castle rebuild so that he doesn't have to expand the outside of it. Yes. You you will see stuff just like that. It's it's pretty cool. So there's there's really cool new stuff in the castle. It's got a big courtyard out back. Um, it's got a new elevator that's pretty awesome. Um just a whole bunch of little, you know, bells and whistles inside the castle. And man, this year's literal music. bells, probably literal bells. bells. This year's music. So in the past, we'd have like themes of the music so that the music all sounded sort of like a, a similar genre for the most part. You know, we did Electro Swing back in 2016 and we've done other My things. My favorite album. This year. Uh, yeah, I, I love it. Um, I really do. <laughs> Thank you. So but this year, the music is all very different. Um, it, it's all based on the theme of the storyline and what's happening in the story. But we have this year types of music. We've got jazz. We've got rockabilly. We have Muzak. We have blues. We have uh, rap. Um, so there's all these different musical genres. There's going to be some techno in there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think people are going to like the music this year. It, just Fantastic. the variety of it, but it's all there. Oh, we have this uh, just lovely, beautiful ballad uh, that's going to be in this year's. Nice. So, power ballad. It's, it's, I hesitate to call it a power ballad because they got such a, a bad reputation. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. it's well, a, with, a with Frozen ballad. 2, you had Lost in the yes. Woods, you yes. know, Kristoff's power ballad. So, you know, maybe they're making a bit of a resurgence. Which was I think it's, it's, it's like a luscious, very sweet kind-hearted ballad i'm, I'm oh, okay wait till you hear it i think you're gonna love it yeah more of a brian adams type thing i can say and not brian adams but i can say no right. i can't say no no raspy voice it's a very sweet voice <laughs> so we have so i i hope it's totally free totally free you might as well just check it out oh and you know you can register right now if you go to you're holiday an idiot hack, if you don't check it out yeah. you, sh you should i'm just saying but holidayhackchallenge.com it's all free what you can do is you can register for the 2019 game. It's still up. If you register for that, we're going to copy over the whole database so that you'll be registered for 2020. Okay. So holidayhackchallenge.com, you can go there, click on, you know, the challenge register. You can create your little avatar. So you're ready to go. And you can even practice if you want, because we're going to launch second week of December. So that's still, you know, as we're recording this now, it's about three weeks off, I guess. Oh my gosh, we have so much to do, but uh, <laughs> we're making great progress, huge progress. But it is the uh, it's crunch time. It's still smart. Right. Yeah, right. It's it's unbelievable that we're halfway through November. Yeah, I can't believe it. I know this year has it's been still, so weird yeah. from a timing it really perspective. Has. So yeah. there was one question so, in the chat that I wanted to to throw out there, and I think I might know the answer already. But someone's asking uh, if there's any chance of an official Discord or maybe Slack channel 
uh, for folks to get together and discuss the challenge this year. I know a lot of a lot of groups make their own channels to talk about Holiday Hack. I guess they're looking to see if there's yep. a central one. We will look into that. You know, we we haven't in the past. Central Sec has a Slack mm -hmm. channel that some of my team will pop in on and see what people are saying and such. So Central Sec has one of the best ones historically. I will take that under uh, consideration. We might create a Slack channel for it. The The issue is support. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, we're trying to keep the challenges running and everything and people want extra hints and such. I love it when they help each other out, right? There's really, all we ask is don't post your answers before January 4th, okay? But you can tell people how you did things. You could talk to them. You can interact. You can give help. We want this to be a learning experience for the whole community. Um, but we don't want somebody to just get the answers, you know? So, um, but I'll, I'll take that under advisement. Maybe we'll create a Slack channel or a Discord channel and make it the official one. That shouldn't be too hard to do. Yeah, right. Um, and someone else runs it. And, <laughs> yeah, that's, that would be great. Yeah, Because, I mean, look, we are a small team. You know, we have 10 people. Um, and uh, we... we we spend the whole year working on this. It's thousands and thousands of hours. And uh, we do it as a gift uh, to the community. And, uh, you know, sometimes I joke with my team, and maybe it's not a joke at all. I say everything else that we do all year round, all the penetration tests, you know, all the expert witness work, everything, all the cyber range work that we do, we do all of that so we can feed our families so that we can make Holiday Hack Challenge and give it away for free. So, Yeah. Well, it's, I think people... I've, I've probably told you this every time you've been on, but it's, it's always a fun challenge. Um, <clears throat> some of the, the things I enjoy most about it is that social aspect where it's like, I don't really know how to do this thing. Someone gives me a hint. I learn a little bit of something from it. I get through the challenge and then someone else who has the same problem, like I get a chance to give them a hint. Right. So yeah. that's, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing that sticks with me about holiday hack. It's, it's not, it's competitive, but not like, like a like a real like prize heavy CTF, right? Where people yeah, are yeah. real tight lipped. They're not sharing anything because they don't. They want to be the one at the top of the scoreboard at the end of the, the end of yeah. the thing, right? So yeah, we, yeah, we want people to just have kind of fun with it. Let me tell you about one other thing that we're doing this year. It's a brand new thing. Um, so and the idea came from somebody on my team. Um, so what happened was last year we opened up the game. And people came in and they, some people were brand new and they're like, what do I do? And Lynn from my team was there and she'd just say, oh, go over here and solve this challenge or check this thing out. And she's one person. So she was in there for a few hours, right? But it occurred to me, we need more people like that. We, uh, we came up with the idea, Kringle Concierge. So it's KringleCon and these are the Kringle Concierges. And they're essentially the Walmart greeters of Holiday Hack. So um, we've asked for volunteers uh, to do this. And they sign up for two hour slots and you're not doing technical support. You're not even giving hints. Remember the elves give hints. You are just there. So if somebody comes in and says, what do I do? You kind of just say, well, check this thing out over there and go over here. And it gives it that human touch. Yeah. It's an experiment um, for Kringle concierges. You know, if, if you know some people that would like to volunteer or maybe some of your, your viewers who have played in the past, you really should be kind of familiar with how the game works. So if you played in 2000. 18 or 2019 and you're interested in being a Kringle concierge, um, you know, you could, you could email, uh, maybe it's best to do email to, uh, info at counterhack.com info at counterhack.com. Um, info at I'm going to be sure to add this to the show notes right now. So you're going to hear me tapping away on my keyboard for a minute here. I tell you, I wanted to call them Kringle consigliaries. 
Um, but we decided Kringle Concierge was maybe a little. A little Look what they did to my boy. I'm telling you. My, my yeah. precious boy. Is that inf info at Counterhack? Yeah, info at Counterhack.com. Okay. I think I threw it in the Twitch chat because Jay Scar was asking how one can sign up yeah. to help. That would be great. And again, and you got an epic from Jay Scar. He's nice. a good guy. So, so just there's two hour time slots during the second or third week of December just to, to help new people figure out where to go. Um, Click so. on the fat red guy. He will be there. Um, he's, he's looking pretty good, I got to say. I actually just registered. Nice. Thank you. So, uh, it means a lot to me, Mark. Nice, Thank you. Nice. Now, if, <laughs> if only we could get together, I would I would help you out on the challenge. But I guess we'll have to do it virtually. <laughs> yep. There you go. There you go. Cool. All right. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Did you did you want to talk about anything cool in your office or should we should we get the show moving? <laughs> um, well, let me just tell you one little thing that I did over the summer that's kind of neat. You know, I do a lot of home automation stuff and I've written. Probably I can't even imagine. You have 30,000 lines of code that control this office, so it can do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but one of the things that I did this summer was I have a 1951 porthole TV. Let me see if I can turn this. Do you see the TV over there? That's awesome. It's, it's yes. The big suit, right? Yeah. It's to the right of the suit of armor? It's beside the suit of armor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. And then that's Einstein on the wall, the picture of Einstein. Nice. Okay. But anyway, that TV in the past, I had a, like a Raspberry Pi 2 connected to it. And, uh, you know, so I could, you know, I, I could bring stuff up on it and, you know, watch YouTube videos and things like that. But what I really wanted to do was to do something like Microsoft uh, Teams or uh, maybe Zoom or Google Meet. And then I really want to do Netflix. So, but the issue is, you know, the Pi being an ARM architecture a lot of the native executables for like Zoom and, and so forth, uh, they run on an Intel architecture, right? Right. So, <clears throat> but the cool thing is I upgraded to a Raspberry Pi 4 and most of those services, including Netflix, including um, Google Meet, they have an entirely web-based interface as well. So if you don't use their client and, and Zoom as well. So if you don't use their client, you could do it all via the web but you need to have a browser on a piece of hardware that has enough performance to be able to do the streaming video. Sure. Pi 4 has enough performance to do that. It is so cool. Because it was a limitation that, of, of my previous TV infrastructure that I couldn't run those applications because I didn't have enough performance to do it. But now I do. Such a, and it's really cool. Such a weird problem to have. Yeah. I can't run Zoom on my 1950s era television. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because of ARM. Because of, not yeah, because because of, of ARM. Not because it's a 50s era television, but because of ARM and you can't an ARM can't emulate an Intel processor quick enough at that level. Yes. Isn't that just crazy? So anyway, I got that working over the summer and I love it. It's just really uh that, that's been do a your neat family fun. member. Do your family members ever just shake their heads? Oh constantly. <laughs> okay. The question is when you do they that. stop shaking their heads? Okay. Yeah, I was super excited about it and showed it to my wife. And she's like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> you know? Oh, you did that thing again. Okay. <laughs> is it, I assume it's, is it black and white? Cause it's oh yeah, TV. it's black and white. Yeah. So, so she's probably like, why the hell are we watching this in black and white? <laughs> yeah, really? We have a better TV downstairs. So it yeah, costs well, a small fraction here? of what this so costs. So you actually interface the Pi so that the tube in the portal is what's displaying it? 
in the in the TV. Yeah. So you didn't like rip out yeah. the guts and put them put an LCD in there. No, no, no. It's the original RF modulator, right? Yep, it's an RF modulator. Nice. That's what I do. It goes. So I go out. So check this out. I go out HDMI from the Pi, and then I've got an HDMI to RCA jack converter, and then I've got an RF modulator that does RCA jack to channel three or channel four. Nice. Right. Nice. Do you remember back in the day, channel three and channel? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's so how I, I connected my Nintendo. To put the TV. the TV on four to play the Atari. No, it was always three. <laughs> Not four. Depends on where you were. I <laughs> it depends on the local uh, <laughs> culture. But it's really cool. I remember I went to a Best Buy to buy the RF modulator. And, you know, there was a kid behind the counter. He must have been 19 years old or something. And I said, um, I'm here to buy an RF modulator. And he's like, we don't have those. <laughs> and I was like, do you know what one is? He's like, not really, but we don't have one. I said, it's like the old thing you used to have that you can switch channel three or channel four. He's like, oh, we do have those. <laughs> <laughs> So, it's fast wow. enough for you, old man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. So that, that was yeah. a, a fun little project uh, I did over the summer. So. That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. You I've... needed those to hook your, you needed an RF modulator to hook your Apple II or your Commodore or your VIC to your TV set. Yeah, Because buying a dedicated monitor was often too expensive. Yeah. And then you'd kill your eyesight because you were using a TV. Yeah, using a TV, yeah. you know, 10 feet from it. You're squinting the whole time. Talk not about even, eye fatigue. Not even ten. Oh my feet, gosh. Right? Yeah. 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 I've yeah. been I've been thinking about better lighting for this room, especially for show night, right? So I I put a light here to shine on me, but I'd I'd like to get rid of this overhead light and have something that's a little better. And I keep thinking about like LED strips controlled by a pie or something, so I don't have to like run around hitting the switches on show night. One of these yeah, days. That, yep. You'll get to One it. One of these days you'll I'll get, get there. <laughs> Well, it was great seeing you guys. Thanks again. Yeah, this is this has been great. So, folks, we're gonna so much fun. We're gonna go to our usual transitionary uh, screen, and uh, we're gonna say goodbye to Ed. And Ed, it's been great having you again. And uh, hopefully, we can have you on again. Maybe not. Maybe not. Wait for holiday hack. I, I'd love to have you on yeah. the show. You know, how about every other week? You want to come on? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Dag, but that would be every broadcast. Uh, yeah, I guess you're. I guess you're right. Yeah. Want to be a co-host? Yeah. Do you want to be a co-host <laughs> on the Iron Sissette, man? I, I get the I get yeah. the feeling Ed's got enough going on that he can't be a co-host. Uh, things keep me busy, but uh, <laughs> I would love to come back again before next holiday for sure. So, so I'm totally gonna you. holiday hack, man. I'm yeah. totally gonna. You do totally it. should. Please do. You totally should. I'm totally gonna have fun. All right, folks. So we'll be back in a few. We'll catch you. I don't know, five ten minutes or so, and we'll be back. So yeah. see you then. Something like. Thanks. Bye. Are you a fan of the Iron Scissorman podcast? If you are, don't forget you can support the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash Or you can buy merchandise at teespring.com slash stores slash And thank you. We is back, folks. Hi. Hope you enjoyed the music over the break. <laughs> I saw some conversation going on about what is this that we're listening to? Uh, while we were talking to Ed, I remembered that I have the MP3s from the uh, Holiday Hack Challenge 2016, and I figured that would be a fun thing to play during the uh, the transition there. So I hope you guys all enjoyed it. That's that's a good taste of Count Ninjala that uh, Ed. I did not enjoy it. Well, you didn't get to hear it. Sorry. Well, that's kind of why. You can you can go back and I probably would have liked you can go it. Go back and listen to it later. If you really want to? Maybe I will.
maybe well i did however register for kringle con which actually is the registration for the event from last year. yeah yeah it is a good time and it is live it's a good time like so. i popped in and there was santa standing there yeah right so, so you get to you get to hop into last year's challenge right and then uh yeah yep. yeah so I'll, I'll probably i'll probably give that a spin around the block a little bit pretty fun so yeah i mean get used to like the ui and stuff it's not complicated basically a very simple web game that you can walk around and you can hit the terminals and you can see how the terminals look and kind of stuff like that but you know i am kind of dumb so maybe maybe doing that would be a good plan i don't know if we're playing for you the one that spends all kinds of time in like virtual reality games and whatever i did well i've been known to but yeah truth 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 all right so this is the part of the show where we have announcements Mainly, mainly an update on Patreon, which hasn't really changed from last show, but I'm going to read through them anyway. So same, which by the way, it's not bad, right? I mean, we're very happy indeed, with our Patreon. Indeed. I'm just, with our I'm just saying, yeah. you know, if you heard last week's show, this is going to sound very similar uh, to last week's show because it's pretty much identical. I just copied it from the show notes from last week and here it is again. So uh, 20 patrons for about 87 bucks a month give or take the tax that uh, Patreon takes out of that because, you know, whatever, they take some money out of that. Uh, and we've got, those patrons are Root is God, Bruce, Robert, Matt, David, Solemn, Irwin, Trooper-ish, Linux Sys666, Gimpy B, Ryan, Mark with a K, Dementor from PowerShell on Linux, uh, John the Nice Guy, Mark with a C, Julius, Andy, Jay, Charles, and our old friend, 22532. Shout out to two! Our oldest patron still. <laughs> All right. Have we ever met two? Like, do we know anything about two? Uh, or not really? I hesitate to say he, because I don't know. But they... Well, that okay. The generic. They were in a... Uh, I forget what Slack workspace I met them through. Was it okay. the DerbyCon Slack? Might have been the DerbyCon mm. Slack. Or was it the Defensive mm. Security Slack? Either way, um, they and I, he and I, chatted. And uh, shortly thereafter, they became a, uh, a patron. Uh, and that's nice. really the last contact I've had. <laughs> so I don't know if they still listen. Dude, if you... Or maybe not dude, person. Uh, if you still listen, uh, please let us know. I'd love to hear from you. Just to see, you know, what... Uh, what, do you, what like, are you liking the show? You've probably been listening to every episode since the beginning because, you know, they joined up with Patreon almost as soon as we opened it. So, yeah, like, yeah, well, cool. You know, four years worth of uh, patronage, which is awesome. Totally awesome. And there's lots of other folks on this list that have been here for probably more than a year, two years even. So, yeah, good stuff. We appreciate every cent of that $87. You're all awesome. All awesome. All right, so, and speaking of helping out the show, if you don't want to just blindly give money through Patreon, you can also buy merchandise through Teespring. Teespring.com slash stores slash iron sysadmin. Maybe I'll do another promo for uh, promo code for Christmas time. I don't know. We'll see. Well, iron sysadmin gear could make a great Christmas gift. Indeed. But don't give it to your spouse, you know, if it's not what they really want, because otherwise you'll be hit. Indeed. Indeed. I didn't want this stupid t-shirt. I wanted a diamond necklace. <laughs> J 
just cashew parry the platypus. Just about every year around Christmas time. Was it Christmas time? Well, I guess I think it was Christmas time. It's just the gift giving seasons in general. My dad would tell me about how he made the terrible mistake of buying my mom a sewing machine for Christmas or her birthday or something one year, which is something he thought she would love, but she read it as, you know, you've given me a thing to like fix your socks with. <laughs> You know what I mean? See, to me, a sewing, a sewing machine doesn't quite have the same domestic engineer sting as, say, a vacuum cleaner. Right, right. Or, or a wash tub right. or something like that. <laughs> right. But that's essentially the vibe that uh, that he said. He's, he's, he, he probably was like, oh, she could be very creative exactly, with it. And she's exactly. like, stupid man, he wants me to darn his socks. Now, now yeah. she owned that same sewing machine for like my entire childhood and used it a lot because she's like all about sewing to this day. She does quilts and whatever. So like it was a very practical so and enjoyable gift. And yet... <laughs> But he still caught crap about it because, hey, well, I've been married for a very long time, so I get yeah, it's it. it's hard to explain, right? <laughs> I feel I, I hear you, Nate's dad. I, I totally am. I totally get yes, it. Yes, yes, Scar or exercise equipment. <laughs> I'm right now collaborating with my middle daughter, uh, Maggie. Uh, because if I'm going to get Sharon anything from Amazon, I have to use Maggie's Amazon account. Yeah, you were mentioning Because my that. wife, right before we were recording, she's terrible about secrets. Like, she will peek. She will look at all the orders and be like, he totally got that for me, because she doesn't care about being surprised. Yeah. yeah. But I'm the guy who's like, no, you can't tell people what they're getting before Christmas, yeah. and the gifts only to be wrapped. It's not cool. She does this thing where, like, yeah, there's gifts I didn't get around to, uh, to wrapping. You can unwrap them with your eyes by taking them out of the bag. I'm like, oh, the baby Jesus is this crying, is terrible, man. No. Yeah. So I, so Mark, now that the camera's back on, I have to show you my multicolored apples. This is what happens mm. when you put sprinkles on apples. Very sketch. <laughs> but they taste fine. Very sketch. <sighs> Nothing better than a sugary mm. apple, right? <laughs> yeah. So were you able to trawl the depths of the internet for reviews, or we got nothing this time? No around? new reviews, and again, it's only been a week since our last show, so there were no no new reviews last week hmm. either. That, that, that's a valid observation. Yeah. So here we are. All right, all right. So I have two things, like nothing earth shattering, to talk about in our chat section. Tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna eat part of this pub mix, but I'll mute myself right so I'm not crunching in everybody's ears. Crunch away on your crunchy pub mix. So, uh, two things. One is an announcement I saw at work, which is public. I wanted to check that before I put it in the show notes. But uh, you've heard of this thing called serverless, right? In fact, I think we may have talked about it on the show one or two times. And we may have even talked mm. about, you know, is there an open source alternative? Am I really stuck with Lambda? Am I stuck with cloud vendors that want to give me serverless stuff? Well, now you can run serverless code. Same, you know, methodologies and whatnot, functions running within an environment that can be called, right, which is what serverless is all about, on OpenShift. So now there is an open source alternative. Um, let me open up the article here because I went and read it like two days ago, and now it's already left me. K-Native Upstream Project. There was a name for this thing. I don't remember what it was. It's an operator for OpenShift. There was a name here. 
I don't remember what it is. Sorry, folks. The article is linked in the show notes. I'm not going to sit here and read it in front of you while we're doing the show live. But uh, there you go. Serverless without the vendor login. Hmm. And the other thing is a fun article that uh, one of our patrons, John the Nice Guy. John the Nice Guy. Um, (laughs) Indeed. Uh, We didn't coordinate that. Yeah, right. No, that was planned. There was a countdown clock. You guys didn't see it or anything. It was just, okay, in in 38 seconds, we're both going to say John the Nice Guy. (laughs) It was a playbook, actually. An ansible playbook. playbook. Anyway, it's about uh, AWX, which is the upstream project for Ansible Tower, Red Hat's Ansible Tower. Um, as, as many of you may know, Red Hat's products all generally have an upstream product that you can go and download and use for free, right? Because that's how we do things. It's all open source. Correct. Uh, so AWX but, but... is that equivalent for Ansible Tower. And uh, this is basically his experience with setting up Ansible Tower, or not Ansible Tower, setting up AWX, and how it sort of helps lead you into the world of Ansible Tower. So here it is. Pretty groovy. Pretty good read. Yeah, and and Tower was not originally an open source uh, no. so piece of software. So 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 Red Hat actually went and and went through it and cleaned things up and and released the source code to the to the AWX project. If anybody so if anybody's familiar with yeah. Red Hat's uh, Red Hat Enterprise Virtualization or now Red Hat Virtualization since it was rebranded at 4.x. Uh, that was the same deal. It was init- initially it was a closed source for sale product uh, that I think it ran on Windows even, which seems so weird, right? It was like this big dot right. blob uh, thing ew. that ran on a, a Windows server to control KVM hosts, and uh, Red Hat bought it and subsequently open sourced it in the Overt project, and now we have Red Hat Virtualization slash Overt. And if I have my history correct, and I might not, so this is a disclaimer, Red Hat, don't sue me or fire me, it might have been, we might have actually decided to not open source it for a period of time. And there is a feisty internal argument, which I think is talked about in the open organization. I got to read that. Um, It's right there on my shelf. It's a fun read. It's 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 a little fluffy at times, if I'm going to be perfectly honest, but it's 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 an it's a fun read. Uh, but yeah, there was a whole internal argument and struggle and, and Red Hat ultimately decided, no, we're, we're never going to do that again. Everything is, everything's going to be open source because it's the right way to do software. Yeah. So if I remember correctly, it was uh, version 2.x of Red Hat virtualization still had the .NET component. It still had, uh, the windows requirement, right? And I don't, I never used it. And it, uh, so I didn't use it at 2.x either. It was 3.x was where I decided, or the place I work at anyway, decided it was time to finally uh, go all in on Red Hat virtualization because the Windows requirement went away. And I'm almost positive that's when it went open source. So the 2.x series was not open source and the 3.x is when it did go open source. I could be wrong on exactly when that happened, but yes, that is pretty much the timeline. There was It was not open source for a while because it was not quote-unquote, ready to be open-sourced. And then, of course, when they thought it was ready, off it went. So. But, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Thanks, John the Nice Guy. That was so nice of you to write that. Indeed. Uh, One of the hosts of the Admin Admin Podcast, if you guys haven't checked it out. We've talked about them plenty of times. But 
I guess I should listen to their podcast one of these years. I'm a terror. I've got so many podcasts on my phone that I generally don't listen to now because I'm never driving. Yep. I have Uh, have the same problem. I've got so many shows I don't listen to. Like Dark Knight Diaries. I I love that show. And I am probably 20 episodes behind at this point. (laughs) Oh, God. Tell me about it. And when I walk, I don't really want to listen to a podcast. I listen to music. Mm-hmm. That's what I do, too. When we walk or run, I'm not listening to podcasts. I'm listening to music. No. Anyway. Tragedy. You got something about ASCII games. Yeah, so I was dorking around on the internet the other day. Never. And I, I, I you know, no, you know, you know where I saw this? This was linked off of, I think, the uh, Linux subreddit. Okay. And I didn't want to lose it. But yeah, this dude has compiled a cool list. Well, I don't know if he's a dude or if it's a bunch of dudes or if it's a, I don't know who it is. So there's this link for unknown entity. Uh, it's a list of uh, ASCII terminal games, some of which are still you know playable today, some of which have faded, some of which you require an emulator. And it just, it got the nostalgia juices flowing. And one of them on there that I spent so much time playing on that old Apple II, uh, a little one called Apple Track. Did you ever play any of the Star Trek games, the text-based Star Trek games? I didn't. No, they weren't always text-based. Well, basically, the idea was you 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 were the Enterprise and you were the captain of the Enterprise. You weren't actually the ship. You were you captained the ship. And weird. Uh, on Apple Track, it was a it was a galaxy that was eight by eight sectors. And so you would go to each quadrant. No, you'd go to each sector or whatever. You, know, you had qua- eight by eight quadrants. And then inside of the quadrants, the the X and Y in there were sectors. So each space you were moving a sector or some nonsense like that. And so the Enterprise is the letter E. The Klingons were uh, the letter K. Um, and and there were various, uh, there were planets and star bases and stuff that would get in the way. And you would pilot the Enterprise around and try and destroy all the Klingons because that's what the Enterprise did, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's all the Enterprise that's did. That's all it was, was good destroyed for, killing Klingons. Klingons. But you had a certain, you only had a certain amount of energy. And the energy would slowly recharge over time where you could recharge by going to a star base. And you started with 10 photon torpedoes and you burned energy to fire phasers so it was this constant balance of i don't want to use all my energy up because when the klingons damage me first it damages the shields and if the shields go down and they damage me they could actually take out systems and if your energy ever dropped to zero you die And this was in the days when you didn't save the game and the game didn't care about your fifis. Like you died a lot. You died, start over. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so we we played a lot of Star Trek, me and my dad and his best friend ever. And the coolest thing was, the coolest thing was torpedoes because when you'd fire a torpedo, it was an asterisk, you know, the the, the goober sign over the Uh eight, and it would move across the map going, do, 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 (laughs) do. And you could either have the computer fire them or you could fire them manually. The problem is if you let the computer fire them, the Klingons got a turn. If you fired it manually by by entering the angle, you could fire it immediately. So it was a risk versus reward thing. Yeah. So it's like uh, Apple Track was like gorillas in space. Q basic gorillas. Gorillas. You don't remember gorillas? I. I never played that. You played Apple Track, but you didn't play gorillas. Gorillas. Okay. Do you? Because by the time I. Do you remember Scorched Earth? 
Yes. Tanks where you shot and you had to get the Scorched angle. Scorched Earth the... was ball. Yeah, well, uh, Gorillas. You had all the different ammunition. Gorillas was sort of the precursor to that, except it was two gorillas on a cityscape, right? And then the buildings were in Did the they middle. Throw and bananas? they threw exploding bananas at each other. Maybe I do remember that. One of the first. But our Scorched Earth, we played a lot of Scorched Earth at one of my jobs. Yeah, it's one of the first, like. And we legitimately played it while we were supposed to be working, which I should be embarrassed about, but I'm not. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> So that's, yeah, but if, so if you want to go, if you want to see the type of gaming that I grew up on, um, and even still sort of enjoy, go ahead and, uh, check out that list of, uh, of ASCII games. Pretty cool stuff. The other thing in the, yeah, this is, this has nothing to do with computers, but occasionally I'll just take a night off from the technology itself and, and flip on a movie that has been in my queue. Mm -hmm. And so there's this movie that came out, I think it was in 2016, 2017. I'm thinking 2017. And one of the guys starring in it is the same dude who plays Drax in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, um, Batista. Yeah, Batista. Yeah. And and so let's let's just put let's just put it right on the table. He's not a good actor. <laughs> and the, his female co-star is not a good actor either. In fact, there really aren't any good actors in the movie. But the premise is really intriguing, especially with some of the social unrest and stuff that's going on today. Yeah. And so the best way I could describe it, it's sort of like Red Dawn, but different. Good. And if I go too much into that, it's major story spoilers, because part of the charm of it is the same charm from Cloverfield. If you ever watch Cloverfield, you wanted to go into it, no spoilers, and it was awesome. But if you watch Cloverfield after your idiot friend who saw it told you too much about it, then you'd be like, oh, that was OK. <laughs> Same as 10 Cloverfield Lane. I went in. I went into both Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane, spoiler free. And I was like, what? In, in both cases. I'll have so. to, like, just sort of like the you've seen. Have you seen the movie The Others? No. OK, well, that's another one where similar idea. If you've seen it. The movie takes on a whole different aspect as it gotcha. does the first time you've seen it because there is a huge uh, twist right at the end kind of like the sixth sense yeah the sixth sense you've seen that right i love the i love the cabin in the woods because i went into the cabin in the woods blind and that movie slowly unpacks itself and you're like holy crap this is cool um so the only thing about bushwick is if you want to watch it legally i think it leaves netflix in a couple of days mm. so watch it soon Watch it sooner. Watch it semi legally. Semi -legal. But we at the Iron Fist have been do not uh, do not endorse uh, violations of the of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. I don't know if I can say that for sure. Yes, absolutely. You shouldn't do that. It's bad. Not not good stuff. Yeah. I uh, I finally started yeah. watching Picard, which oh, so took good. me entirely too started long. slow. Yeah. Well, no, I'm enjoying it already. I'm only on episode three, I think. And I mean, Picard. Just... The good, yeah. I'm, the good stuff is on the is the second half. Of I'm it. a I'm a huge <laughs> fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation, mainly because mm. I think Picard is one of the, in my opinion, there will probably be flame wars about this forever. In my opinion, I think he's one of the best captains of the Enterprise, because I just like the way he well, handles things. I like I like him as a character. So a show about Picard is right up my alley, and I just did not want to pay for uh, CBS All Access to watch it. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't think this is a very big limb I have to go out on here, 
but I'm going to say that that Patrick Stewart is probably the best actor that's ever played a captain in a Star Trek series. Could be. That's not to take away any uh, like, you know, I like Quantum Leap, you know, Quantum, Captain Quantum right. Leap. And Cisco is is kind of a badass. He's like a he's like a poor man Samuel L. Jackson in some way. Cisco ways. is easily my number two. He's he's second. He's second Cisco, on that list. Yeah, Cisco <laughs> Cisco's a cool guy. But I mean, I mean Patrick Stewart is just he he's a, he's just great. He's a good actor. He's just really a pleasure. And yeah, I just the first the the first half of the of Next Generation season one is a, yeah, is rough for but... me. I can't. Uh, I mean, so you, part of it could be timing, right? The first season of of TNG was aired when I was like eight or nine years old. So I wasn't watching it a lot because it just wasn't geared for eight or nine year olds. Right. Mm. And I really I picked it up. I, I picked it up later when most of the series was in reruns. Right. Yeah. And and so I didn't really have to slog through that first season to get good i just started watching it when it was already good and then went back to watch it and going back to watch it yeah there's some rough edges and whatever but you enjoy it because it's trek yeah at least it's not the big bang theory there's that yeah good 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 point <laughs> now i watched it live because it started when i was in college yeah. so all right there's uh yeah so there you go there's the age difference i suppose <laughs> Yeah, Tasha Yar, man. Yep, poor Tasha Yar. I like Tasha. At least, at least the actress was comes nice, back it several was, times. Yeah, she come and and the Romulan version of her. And sorry, you just you don't get a spoiler warning. No, here, the right? the series has been off the air for like twenty years. I don't think you need to worry about. Isn't it. the Romulan version technically related to the Tasha from Yesterday's Enterprise? Or wait, was it yesterday? Honestly, I don't remember what the connection. What was, was the name there? of the episode where where the Enterprise was at war? I want to say it was yesterday's Enterprise. But that doesn't sound right. Could be. I don't remember now. Because yeah. now I have to go watch the whole series again. Thanks, Mark. Oh. <laughs> that's that's not a bit. I'm now I got to Google. Maybe somebody. If that's yesterday's Enterprise. Maybe somebody will. Tell I was kind of waiting for chat to save us, but. Yesterday's yeah, Enterprise. but some I'm of them are sure on that, that ridiculous delay on Twitch. Oh, no, that's it. Temporal Rift creates an alternative timeline in which the Federation clean empires at war. Tasha's alive and only Guinan, Guinan, can detect the timeline's been altered. Guinan. It is yesterday's Enterprise. Cool. Anyway, this has been Trek Talk with the Iron Sisabin podcast. <laughs> it, it, the, the Venn diagram is strong, it man. Really is. The Venn diagram. Nerds and Star Trek. All right. So, anyway. Oh, I wanted to mention you were talking about old games. Uh, the Internet Archive has a very cool selection of old video games that are you can play through a web browser. Absolutely. So, In fact, Apple Trek might be one could of be. them. Could be. I, I remember I may have told the story on the show already and I don't want to name drop or whatever, but so Jason Scott is like the mastermind behind that whole, like the, the concept where you can play these games through the internet archive. He works for the internet archive. Uh, I used to see him frequently at DerbyCon. He was a DerbyCon guy that he would come just about every year, eventually stopped for many reasons. Anyway, um, I was hanging out with him and a number of other folks 
at a thing we called MeadCon, where we'd all sit around and drink mead. And I actually got to beta test that web player because he's just like, here, check this out. And I'm like, I don't know, entirely too much mead and enough beer in that I'm like barely able to concentrate on the keyboard. And I'm playing like Bionic Commando on, <laughs> on his laptop. Yeah. It was pretty cool, though. Yeah, there is Apple Trek is on the virtual Apple too, but it's it's saying that only the Active GS whatever works only on Windows or Macintosh. Terrible. And then it apologizes to Are me you on your, because it's terrible. Your Fedora machine. Yeah, I am. I do I do this on my Fedora machine because I've got the dual monitors and these headphones. I just I like the Fedora machine for the Iron System. Cool. But it's okay. That means you're doing better than me because I'm on Windows. Yeah. <laughs> I hang my head in shame. So so I'm gonna I'm just gonna put Apple track right here in the show notes for folk who want to see it. Cool. That game, that game again, my dad and I and his friend Everett, we we spent many hours playing that in the on the Apple too. All right. So we're gonna go on into I don't know, it's kind of news, but it's, you have to hit it's a button? kind of not. I am gonna hit the button. So here we go. Button? I just wanted to give you guys button? guys a warning that it's button? not gonna be the news as usual. So here we go. That was pop mix. It was not static another, on your line. Another weird-looking Apple. I'm about to eat. Yeah, you the man. Yeah, that was pro well. The purple button goes. It matches Nate's purple apple slice. Yeah, purple and blue, and it tastes kind of like sweet tarts. I don't know what kind of sprinkles these things are, but they're like little skulls. So it happens when it tastes like sweet yeah, tarts. Yeah, so it happens when you have little girls, man. Enjoy. So it, it happens when a six-year-old makes you dessert. <laughs> Because then they, they grow up soon enough and start to hate you. Yeah. Oh, that, wait, that'll no. happen eventually. That's I'm not sure. actually that's not actually true. Mine don't. My girls get along with me. No, I can remember my sister pretty much like absolutely rebelling against my dad in her teenage years. It eventually faded. When he got her a sewing machine. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're gonna talk actually less about news and more about social media in this section and this is Ew. this is almost like an, another main topic i guess you could say but it was something i really wanted to talk about and we have you know we had ed on tonight so i didn't want to bump ed to talk about this and i actually have a guest lined up for our next show i think i have to check the schedule again um if you guys remember dementor who talked about powershell on linux a couple well like a year and a half ago or maybe longer um he's going to be on to talk about some home automation stuff which is going to be fun so I got to check back in with him and find out what the, uh, you know, when he can be on or whatever. But I think we planned on our next, I think it'll be the first show in December. Whatever, I'm rambling on about that. He'll be on soon enough. Anyway, I wanted to get this topic in while it was still kind of fresh. Um, so. Funky. How many. Funky fresh. Yep. How many of you are, ha have seen the, 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 the phrase on social media, come find me on Parlor. Because people are fed you up. You asking me? Well, anybody. Uh, you're the only one that can no, respond, that's, though. That's, <laughs> well, the people can respond in chat. Yeah. I have seen it, and I'll, I'm going to say it. I'm going to I'm gonna put it right out there. I have a very wide friend set of friends, right? Mm -hmm. I've got, my, I've got my, my, my friends who lean left, my friends who lean right, uh, my, my tech 
nerd friends, my my scout friend, whatever. They're friends across different spectrums. The ones who the the ones who tend to lean right tend to be conservative. They're the only ones that I see hitting Pollard. Right. So um, it's really, I mean, the movement, this whole like Facebook exodus has has hit the news, like to the point where CNN, Fox News, and whatever they're talking about this. And I thought it was a topic that was very valid for Iron Sissman because there's kind of a viewpoint that we might be able to to hit that the mainstream media might not, and maybe people will find this valuable. So uh, this parlor is what, or I should say parlay, which by the way is how they intended it to be pronounced, but then they shouldn't have put an R. I know. I don't know if that has something to do with the French spelling of it because it is a French word. Whatever. Um, we're not going to argue about that. But the the sort of the implications of jumping to a social media network, sort of like Parler, right? Um, so first of all, I looked up some information. I even set up an account on Parler just to sort of look around and see what the hell it's all about. And uh, this is basically what I have to not report necessarily, but just talk about. And uh, Mark, at any point, if you have something to interject here because you have an opinion on it, feel free. That's the whole point of this. I want us to sort of discuss. I'm sure I'll. I'm sure I'll quip. I want us yes. to kind of discuss this. I'll alternate between quipping and eating my puppets. Right. I was. I was hoping we'd have Jason again as well because I'm sure he's got strong feelings about this. <laughs> so. No doubt. So parlor, I included a link to the Wikipedia entry uh, for Parler. And that includes like when it was founded, some history about, you know, where it came from, who founded it, stuff like that, what their intentions were, and, you know, up to the current day, what it's currently being used for. And, you know, this, this, this exodus that we're about to start talking about. Um, so, like I said, it was originally supposed to be pronounced Parlay. I don't know why they spelled it the way they did. I guess if it, like if if you're trying to spell it, the the French spelling for parlay has an R in it. So to register a domain, you, you can't put the funny accents in whatever. So it ended up parlor. Uh, so here we are. Everyone pronounces it parlor because that's how it's spelled. Yeah. They're pronouncing it like parlor. You know, like the thing that is inside your front door when you walk in, right? The parlor, or the parlor. <laughs> it's the room where your mom has her sewing machine. Right. The room. <laughs> Just circle it right back there. Um, right. So I like I do circles, man. You right, know that by right. now. So like I said, I set up an account just to sort of poke around and see what it was about. Uh, the the web UI and I didn't set up the mobile account or the mobile app on my on my phone. So maybe that's a different experience. But the web UI in a browser reminds me a whole lot of where social media was 10 years ago. Um, basically, the the whole look and feel of it is very basic. Uh, the thing I did like though, so go set up an Yeah basic. Go set up go set up a new account on pretty much any social media network. And when you first log in, you're just like inundated with content, right? Whether it's news or ads or whatever. Parlor didn't have that. Like literally my timeline is empty because I don't follow anybody yet. They didn't immediately start forcing ads at me they didn't start telling me to like they didn't start showing showing me popular tweets or you know parlays they call them 
Uh, they didn't start any of that. It's literally blank. So I feel like if I were to start following people, I'm literally going to see the people I've followed and not a whole bunch of extraneous content that maybe I don't care about, right? Which is kind of a good thing, I think, anyway, right? So I'm, I'm going to play a little bit of Devil's Advocate here because there is some negative connotations with this service, right? <laughs> so I'm going to cover some of the good and some of the bad. Uh, there's no filtering or and very little moderation, right? So this is why folks claim to be going to Parler now because they're getting sick of tweets and and uh, Facebook posts being quote-unquote fact-checked or censored, right? Now, th this is kind of a, a tricky subject, I think. Um, social media, until about a year ago, maybe a little longer than that, didn't care about fact-checking. They didn't care about censorship. They didn't care. All they really tried to stop were things like flat-out hate speech and uh, pornography and ads, right? Unless you pay for the ads. Because if you pay for the ads, they're okay. But if you're not paying for the ads, they're not okay. Um, so in a lot of ways, Parler feels like old social media, which is what I was kind of alluding to, bef before the days where there were ads all over the place, before the days where posts were filtered and content was blocked because people's feelings were hurt. Um, and this is what a lot of people like about the the network, right? They want they want an unfiltered experience, right? Now, mm -hmm. that has good and bad. The good, of course, would be if you don't want a filtered experience. The bad would be there's going to be hate speech. There's going to be nasty things shared across. Sure. Art. And I think that can be a problem. I... So, I guess here's the thing, right? I come from a time with the internet when not everybody necessarily needed to be all on the same platform. The idea that everybody's on some on on a handful of major things that everybody else is on is is a relatively new um a relatively new phenomenon in the age of my digital experience. Right. And I think what bothers some people, and I get it, is that why does, why do Facebook and Twitter, who are the two big ones, at, at what point do they have a responsibility to moderate their content when it's not an outright violation of some very basic things that everybody agrees is bad. Right. So for instance, pornography, most people agree is not socially acceptable. Um, uh, most countries go through great lengths to project, to protect uh, the personal information around children. Although uh, the American soccer mom is the worst at violating that with the pictures that she puts up every friggin' day on Facebook. Yep. Right. Um, but I think, I think people don't like the idea that, that Twitter or Facebook are the final arbiters of what is true, especially around topics where it's not necessarily a completely black and white thing. Right. So, so, so 
so if you take the election we're going through right now, right? Mathematically speaking, Biden probably won the election, right? But there's legitimate legal processes going on and, and, and the Trump campaign is allowed to take those steps. And, and the idea is that if, if you don't, if, if you were to just totally try and shut that down and, and shout that down, that that's that makes people faster. So when people are say when people are posting things on Twitter or Facebook and they're getting automatic flags on their posts saying, you know, this 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 post is is essentially BS because, you know, the 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 Associated Press is called the election for Biden. That gets that gets these folk upset. Yeah. Now, and, and, and it's valid, by the way, because the way the Associated Press does not get to actually make the final decision. The, the Constitution lays out how we actually elect the president. Weird. And that hasn't ha that hasn't all played out. Yet. Right. Right. So now now Green. He, Green uh, six, seven, eight, nine makes a valid point. Pollard has become a safe space for conspiracy nuts because most people aren't going to call people out other bullshit i guess the question is have we become a people online who can't even have a civilized disagreement anymore right like i and i find myself i find myself having to try not to respond to everything that i see on the social media that I I disagree with, what wrong or right, whether I disagree with it. Um, yeah, it's like it's like that uh, XKDY. What are you coming to bed, hon? I can't. Someone on the internet's wrong. Yeah. You XKCD, know? you mean? Just like XKCD. Just like Nick. Yeah, you were sharing your XKDY with with Nick. That's uh that well that's the strip on Pollard. It's all <laughs> it's all right wing nerd nerd humor. <laughs> no, so. In one sense, if you want to talk to people who you know are going to share your opinion, then then let them let them have it. Let them have Pollard. Um, you here's the other thing about humans that you might have noticed, Nate. We're kind of tribal sometimes. Yep. That goes back to that goes back a long time. Being tribal, we we were most comfortable when we when we interact with a couple of dozen people who have a similar goal in life, who ideally do the same types of things we do. And when, when people who look different or do other things come in, that, that I think is, is, is an instinct that fires off. We get uncomfortable because we think we're maybe going to be eaten by a lion or captured and enslaved or whatever. And part of, part of, the struggle sometimes is getting the level of maturity to fight that, that tribal impulse. It's, it's hard. It's, it's hard to sometimes go outside of your tribe. Yeah, absolutely. And when, and, and this year has been a bitch. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it has between, so, between the, 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 the stresses around COVID and of course the election and just everything that's transpired in the past four years, the, the whole country is very divided. And it's it's really so I think I, now it's coming through in yeah. social media, right? It's it's almost getting to the point where where you have like average people, right? Who are just like, okay, I'll be on whatever social media network I want. And then you have like the far left and far right that are almost picking echo chambers. 
right? Mm. So, and that's that's one of the problems that I was going to bring up with what I see Parler becoming, right? So, first of all, I want to say that I am all for competing social media networks. I think that Facebook has gotten to the point where it is so large, there are so many people there, that there's nothing that it can do correct. There will always be arguments, there will always be strife there, there will always be anything you post sure. there that is even the slightest bit controversial, or maybe not controversial at all, uh, will be met with argument. Because no matter what you post, there's going to be somebody there that doesn't agree with you. Right? But here's the thing about Facebook. Am I, am I cutting off your thought, by the way? Because I don't want to do that. No, go ahead, speak. Speak. Speak, Mark, speak. Oof. I, I need <laughs> to eat. I need to drink. Yeah. I need to have human contact with like my family and friends and things like that. I don't friggin' need social media. So I think it's okay for people to just, to just walk away from it. If, if it's not of any value to them, I, Facebook doesn't need to be successful. I don't if feel Facebook, like if, if Facebook imploded and died, that would be fantastic in a lot of ways. I don't feel like there's enough people in this world that think they can actually live without it. Well, I feel bad for them. Yeah. But and, and so the thing is, is is what I what I don't think we want, what I don't think a lot of people want is for Facebook, Twitter, social media to become essentially another branch of government. You know? Yeah. Like the pre the press is supposed to be that fourth branch of government, the fourth estate. Mm-hmm. And the press, you know, Green's talking about uh, critical thinking in school. I was born in 66 when I went to school and we learned about the press and, and, and stuff. You had the, you had the, you asked the five W's, how, what, why, when, where. Right. Just the facts, ma'am. And, and we've moved away from facts to feelings and opinion and stuff like that. Yeah. And social media, social media has got the same problem as the 24 hour news cycle. It's a hungry beast that wants endless content and it prefers controversy. Yeah. The circle, the circle is uh, a great movie on Netflix. Uh, Her Hermione, Hermione is in it. If I remember. Yeah. She's sometimes scantily clad, but you know, never fully nude. (laughs) And it's it's uh, is that a selling point? It's actually depends, right? Um, it um, it's probably a selling point because it's actually a, it's a fairly safe movie to watch uh, in mixed company. Uh, now I got all distracted. Was Jay Scar? Was that the one with uh, with Tom Hanks in it? Was was he in the circle? I know, we're on. We've yeah, got a delay. Be Thirty here. seconds before he can respond. Well, he's I haven't the watched the social dilemma, dilemma yet, I seen that either. and I should watch it, but I I, I don't want to watch it because I think it'll make me angry. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so I mean, this is. Have you read Ready Player One? Yeah, I've read Ready Player this One. This is this is a, that's that's social media. You don't have a choice. Right, about. right. So this is this is similar in my opinion. Right, this is similar. Thanks, M. Krauku. Krakow. There you go. Krakow. So what yeah. what happened? with the virtual world the oasis in ready player one is kind of the beginnings of what we're seeing if you were to game it all the way to the end right 
with social media, where it's becoming the society that matters, right? And that's kind of scary when you consider that not only is it the society that matters to people, because that's where they're looking for opinion, that's where they're looking for news, that's where they're looking for, you know, their marketplace to buy and sell things, that's where they're looking for what restaurant to go eat at, right? It's like this closed system, almost, where all of that information is in one place, so that's where people go, right? It Three, four years ago, right? If you wanted to buy or sell something online, where would you go? Uh, probably eBay. eBay, right? Today, how many people even know that eBay or Craigslist is a place they can go? They just go to the Facebook Marketplace. That's where they do all their buying and selling. Actually, if I want to buy something... If I want to buy something, my first stop is actually Amazon, but I, I see No, I mean point. like a used thing. Like I have a thing I'm trying to sell or I have a thing I want oh, to okay. buy used, right? They go to the Facebook marketplace because it's right there and it's in their face, right? Well, what happened with the Oasis in Ready Player Pun One? Pun intended? Yes, it's right in their Facebook. Uh, what happened with Ready Player One was eventually the outside world and the government that governed it and whatever became irrelevant. Because what mattered was what was happening in the Oasis, right? Right. The Oasis coin was the currency that mattered. Right. And the Oasis was, Not the in that case, the Oasis was run by a company who, who valued people and valued their freedom. And that's the way they ran the place. And the whole book was about how, you know, this, this profiteering company wanted to take over the Oasis and turn it into a profit. IOI. Store, right? Yeah. Right. So what you have with Facebook is it's already owned by someone who's just trying to make money and keep you addicted, right? And it's turning into your one-stop place on the internet for stuff, for anything, for content, for news, for whatever. And now all that content is starting to be curated, not just to show you what you what they think they want you to see, but to tell you what's true and what's false. And maybe yeah, they have I... maybe they have the best intentions. Maybe they, they only want to make sure that what they're sharing for you is true. But eventually, if we become dependent on what Facebook says is true and false, and we don't question that, right? Now, all of a sudden, Facebook can slip in whatever they want. Now, I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying that they will, but they could, right? And that that's the thing that worries me. And I'm not saying that Parler is the solution to that. The, whole, the point of tonight was to, to basically... Um, I don't know. Let's, let's, hit, let's sort of let people know what they were getting into if they if they do in fact want to jump ship to something like Parlor. Yeah, I feel like I got a bit. Yeah, they're I jump- got a bit passionate there. <laughs> no, and that's, and that's good because this is important. One of a red hatter on one of our internal mailing lists. Uh, this was a couple of months back. Made the he uh, he re- he said. I believe social media is the greatest evil inflicted on mankind in the past 30 years. And I read that and my brain said, are you kidding me? And then I thought for a few seconds and I said, whoa, actually, maybe he has a point. Yeah. You could be right. I mean, social media. So and I'm seeing stuff on social media that is not new. Right. Like the, the trends that you see there. Right. The arguments, the flame wars, the, the people that are outright dicks, the people yeah. that are trying to I spread that. Consi- conspiracy theories. What 
this all existed since the since the the dawn of when we started communicating online, and probably further back than that. But I don't remember that long ago. Yeah, but <laughs> but in the in the good old days when I was a kid, if you wanted to have a conspiracy theory, you needed a mimeograph machine or a or a cheap looking magazine. Right, it was a lot harder. That people would subscribe it was to. It was harder it to a little find more the work. content. Now I remember when I was like a teenager, questioning everything, searching around the internet, trying to find weird conspiracy theories and information about aliens and whatever right and it was out there wow. it was certainly out there but you could tell that these people were crackpots right you'd see you'd, you'd go to their like their website or their zine or you know whatever and you could tell they were just completely insane now it's yeah, now I it's harder to tell swore he had built a time machine yeah? <laughs> oh yeah he swore he had built a time machine and then it it, it was i think napoleon dynamite the time machine that uncle rico buys in that I th I'm pretty sure the guys who wrote that movie saw found that same guy's website because <laughs> it was probably seven or eight years later, and it was too close that's, to what to what the guy on the internet had had, had described. That's funny, but yeah, it's oh, forgot the crystals. It, so you know, you, you, have you seen Napoleon? The, the the problem now is that social media is in everybody's pocket, right? It, it, it used to be if when it was online communication or when it was in in you know low budget publications or whatever that you had to go buy at the newsstand or whatever it wasn't so easy and accessible you know say it was a magazine you'd get it once a month or once a quarter right and you'd have to go you'd have to go to the newsstand and buy it and bring it home with you and then read the thing and digest it in your head and you couldn't immediately go and converse with everybody about it right now on social media if someone has a crazy idea like oh bill gates is trying to inject us all with tracking chips regardless of how feasible any of that is, you get like a thousand people that are just like, oh yeah, that's totally what he's doing. That Bill Gates guy, he's evil. <laughs> and then you have people burning down 5G towers over it, <laughs> right? So anyway, that was kind of a rant. <laughs> it was. But, I mean, it wasn't a bad rant, but it was a rant for sure. But uh, my, my point is I am all for what I would love to see, to be honest, is some manner of decentralized social media. And I've been saying that for years. There was a project several years ago called Diaspora, but which did this. It never got traction. Uh, there's a project now called Mastodon, which does it. It doesn't have the traction. Uh, there's... But decentralized social media seems like very counterintuitive. Well, no. So Cause, the, cause... the idea is... What was the Google social media network? That was uh, Google+. Plus. Yeah, remember Google Plus? Yeah. yeah. No, so... With your circles? Decentralized social media, the idea is that you can, or say a group of people, can run their own node, and that node can communicate with other nodes. Right? Okay. So the idea is that your information is stored on your node, and it doesn't have okay. to be shared with anybody else, right? So in, 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 the, in the Facebook world, that, you know, you don't have that control. You're on Facebook. You put any data you put there, they're going to use for something. They're going to use it for advertising. Sure. They're going to use it against, essentially sure. against right. you, right? With decentralized social media, that becomes less of a problem. And in fact, you could theoretically have decentralized social media that is disconnected as well. So if you wanted just to run a small community that doesn't have any interaction with anybody else, you could just run it, right? Now, that kind of defeats the purpose of social media. In my day, we media. would call that... 
in my day we would call that a bulletin board yes i i started my digital gaming yes. experience in the days when you'd you'd set up a bbs yes. and they're not not a, well not a bbs in the dial-in format but like a web-based form yeah. like a web-based bulletin board well there is yeah well i don't want to go off on too much of a tangent but there is there is work to take some old bbs software and i envision that it could become a decentralized social platform the problem is with any of these, whether it's Mastodon, which is fully baked and is out there and you can go get it today, or Diaspora, which has died off, I think died off, um, is adoption. The problem is that the behemoth in the room, Facebook, doesn't want to work with any of those things because they don't want people to leave. They don't want people's data to be yeah. anywhere other than on their systems, right? So you end up with like, hey, this is a really cool thing. And the nerds might do that. But mom and dad or, you know, your, your, your next girlfriend or whatever are going to be over on Facebook. Yeah. So I guess the question comes down to, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Seinfeld, the, 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 the TV show Seinfeld. Yeah, I watched some Seinfeld. So I forget what the episode was, but I think there was one point where they were considering bringing a new friend into the group. And Jerry's like... No, I can only handle three friends at a time, right? Okay. You can and again, I, I, I think, I think, honestly, it's okay to not be on some massive giant platform with the majority of the planet. It's okay to have these smaller communities that are that are just, you know. A, a closer knit group of friends, but what or, if or just a closer? What if you have three friends and that's all you can manage and that's all you care about? Now that's obviously a very small scale thing, and only two of them want to join you on your platform. How do you communicate with the third one? I mean, yes, there's ways to communicate with the third one, but they're not in, they're yeah, not invested no. in your social network, right? So I mean, take that a sure. little bit larger scale. You know, mom and dad are on Facebook. And and your sister's on Twitter, and you want to use Mastodon, right? Well, you can't now. All of a sudden, all the pictures of the of your kids that you're sharing on Mastodon, your your, your mom and dad aren't seeing, your sister's not seeing, right? Yeah, and, no, dude, I get it, and and I have a Facebook account, and I'm on it way too much. I I'm sorta, you know, I'm the hypocrite right now. <laughs> no, I agree, right? So I I do the same thing. Right. There, there was a point where I actually deleted a Facebook, my Facebook account. Um, I actually joined Facebook probably 2007, 2008, whatever, when it was still kind of new. And then I just yeah. I got sick of it then. And I deleted my account in like 2009 or 10 and then came back. Right now, that, the timeline's probably off. I think it was more like 2009 or 10 I joined. And then it was like 2012 or 13 I I left it. I don't remember. But then I rejoined and I've been there ever since because everybody I wanted to talk to was on Facebook. Yeah. Right. So that's. I just don't. That's a a critical mass thing. Right. Now, now here's the thing. And I realize a lot of people probably say things like this and, and some of them might be deluding themselves when they say it. But I mean, when I say this, I don't look towards facebook for wisdom i don't look to facebook for truth i look to facebook for for communication with friends and family right. and for when chuck marshall posts hilarious memes of baby yoda yes 
right? And I, I agree with you. I, I am not, I'm not going to look to Facebook to try and, to try and, and guide me morally or, or anything like that, or to, to solve the big, the big problems. Now I will occasionally post a, a, an almost rant on it because I feel I can influence some people like the people who deny stuff around COVID that, that drives me crazy. Um, but honestly, like I go on vacation, uh, and I will shut my social media off. Like when we go, when we, when we went, when we went to Disney or when we've been on the cruises, Mm -hmm. I, I just totally, I totally check out and it's, it's, it's actually wonderful. It's amazing. Yeah. When I was in Maine on the canoe trip with the crew, I didn't have a cell signal for, I think, seven or eight days. And after the initial 24 hours, <laughs> the, the, I, the, withdrawal. I, I, <laughs> the withdrawal, right? I'm like, eh, I don't care. Yeah. The only communication device we had was we had what I what I jokingly called the distress beacon. I, I'm totally serious. We had this. It was a communication device that had. You know, like when you do the cool, you can't accidentally press the button stuff like there's a process you have to go through to like open it and unlock it and then press the button. Yeah. There's a button that if you press on it, it does a burst. I think it might use a satellite, might not. The company then sends a helicopter to that location because it's a life or death situation. Right. So you don't press that because you ran out of milk. You press that because no. someone's drowning or has drowned. So the, <laughs> the, the, the only, the only thing I requested was that assuming I wasn't the one who was incapacitated or dead, I wanted to be able to press the button. on the stress <laughs> And you signal. wanted to summon the helicopter. If we needed to use it. <laughs> yeah. But that was the only method of communication with the outside world up in, up in Maine yeah. during that canoe trip. That was awesome. The canoe trip I so was I on think I, Canada, whether, we didn't have one of those. We could have all been eaten by bears and nobody would have known for days. <sighs> yeah. Well, I don't know that so such guess, things existed you know, then, at least not for common consumption. They, <laughs> they probably didn't. And it was a couple hundred bucks to buy it. Like the crew, the unit bought it. And it, you, you basically have a subscription to it. Oh. Like, you know, your subscription to Red Hat Enterprise Linux. Um, I guess what I would just say <laughs> is that I think it's up to an individual to use social media responsibly. Just like, you know, just like alcohol, just like driving, just like, you know, junk food or or anything that has or just regular food. Right. Anything that has a potentially uh, sex, anything that has a potentially, you know, consequence, Cheesesteaks. you know, good at good and bad. Right. Uh, and and you got to you got to understand what you're getting into. And I think educating people. And, and I don't think you can rely on the government educating people. I don't think you can rely on, on other institutions educating people. I think, you know, if you're a parent, you got to talk to your kids. If you're, if you have friends and family who will look, look up at you as a technical mentor, you know, as, as the nerd, yeah, they, they look to you when their printer is broken. Well, take advantage of that technical, that technical, uh, street cred and, and, Say, hey, you know, some of the stuff on social media is actually not just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. My wife and I actively joke about that now. 
Like she'll tell me something like, did you read that on Facebook? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, (laughs) you sure that's true? Well, it's on the internet. Yeah. And then, you know, yeah. Just like the old, it was on TV. It has to be true, right? She knows. Well, our grandparents bless them. That, well, Walter Cronkite said it. It has to be true. Right. Right. And, However, and when Walter Cronkite said it, it probably was. Yeah, right. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. However, Walter, Con- Walter Cronkite comes from a, a time when news yeah. anchors were expected to tell you the truth as they believed it. Right. right. Rachel Maddow, uh, Sean Hannity, uh, Don Lemon. Yeah. Yeah. None of them are, could even polish his shoes. Right. Because, right. Yeah. Right. They're all they're all characters. It's now. like expecting like legitimate news from someone like like Rush Limbaugh, who has fully admitted right. he's an entertainer, right? He has said right. this to people, and yet people believe him as though he's a newscaster because he's on TV. Right. They it can't be on TV if it's not true. Right, right, totally. <laughs> so nine oh five. How yeah, long did you want to yeah, go? Yeah, right. On this so TV? I guess at any rate, to summarize, I just want to say it seems very much like. Good night, Jay like, Scar- Well, good, have a nice dinner. Yeah, Scar- right. It seems like Parlor had had good intentions when, and my kids are screaming about something. I don't know what. Maybe the house is on fire. Um, when the so Parlor when the smoke yeah. alarm goes Parler off. Parlor has Parlor. Yeah, Parlor has like, some risk. It seemed like it had good intentions when it was started. It was meant to be a social network that did not have the problems that Facebook does. In that it wasn't uh, as heavily censored. It wasn't as heavily quote-unquote, fact-checked, right? And it was basically a place where you're supposed to be able to speak freely. It is very quickly turning into a ridiculously far-right echo chamber where all the conspiracies and white supremacists hang out, and that's a problem. Now, that can change simply by more people with a more moderate approach to the world joining Parler. But is that going to happen now? I don't know. The news is already painting it as a place to go if you want to hate on Jews and you want to hate on black people and you want to be a conspiracy theorist. And that's the that's that's how it's getting portrayed. And I think that enough people believe it now that you're not going to find much more than people that agree with that on Parler. I can tell you that right now when I logged in and set up that account, it shows you a bunch of trending hashtags just like Twitter does. If you click on any of those, it is just full of like the worst kind of spam, like the the so, the, the clickbaity sex spam is basically what it's oh, full good. of. <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah. So, if you want to go on Parler, be my guest. I don't feel it's my job to try and get on there and change it. No, and I'm not. I'm not really suggesting that people do, but I am. No, and I didn't say you were suggesting that, I, but I'm just like, so okay, so Pollers where you can go hang out if you want to chill with some actual Nazis. Yeah, really that's what kind of what it's like. turning into, and that kind of concerns me, right? That that place exists. I'm not, a, not a fan of Nazis. Yeah, you it, know? I'm German. It, I take it personally. <laughs> so at any rate, um, we fought a war about that, right? I do think it would be great if we all left Facebook for something other than Facebook that wasn't quite so draconian about, uh, you know, like you are our, our product, not our customer. <laughs> or, or if people would just put, they don't have to leave Facebook, but in their life, they should have Facebook placed in an appropriate level of importance. Yeah. But even if you use it sparingly in a way that doesn't enrage you daily, which is essentially how Facebook got for me at one point, 
Um, it's mm-hmm. still a data mining, like, well, privacy yeah, that's, nightmare. That's true, right? So that is sure possible. Moving that's... moving to something like Mastodon, where there is a decent user base now, right? And that's using Mastodon as an as an example. Maybe there's a better option out there. It's one I know about. There is a user base there, mostly IT people, from what I've seen. Um, you know, maybe if if every time someone said, "I'm sick of Facebook." People like us said, hey, there's another option right over here. Maybe run your own node. Maybe set it up in a way that, you know, you can let your friends and family trust you because they know you. Because expecting everyone to run their own would be kind of insane. Which is kind of how how Diaspora was supposed to work. Everybody was supposed to have their own pod in their basement because, you know, that's feasible. Grandma's going to run a Diaspora pod. (laughs) Don't, don't, don't. Don't be a smack talking on Maybe grandma. Grandma is a tech wizard. I don't know. Most grandmas aren't. We're getting to the point where there's going to be grandmas who are tech wizards. You're right. You're right. All right. So this has been a fun conversation. Um, if you think we got something wrong, feel free to reach out. You can find us on Twitter or Facebook. Uh, just look for the Iron System and Podcast. Uh, you can watch us on the second and fourth Thursday of just about every month, except for this month and probably next month, because I think next month falls on Christmas Eve or something. Uh, so we're probably going to move that one. Uh, you can watch mm. us live on either YouTube or Twitch. The links for both of those are in the notes for this show. And if you want to chat with us, you can do so via the Matrix community. There's a link for that also in the show notes, or if you go to ironsysadmin.com, there's it's in the menus there for the community. And with that, if you want to support the show, feel free to do so via Patreon or by heading on over to our Teespring shop. Again, can you guess where the links are? In the show notes. The show notes. (laughs) Yay, the show notes. Yay! So it's been fun tonight. Uh, Good conversation. It has been. A lot of fun with Ed Scotus. Go check out Holiday Hack. I'll make sure to put a link to that, which I don't think exists currently in the show notes, but I'll make sure that gets added before the show gets published. And um, if you want to be a, a Kringle concierge, hit up info at counterhack.com. <laughs> and with that, folks, I think we're going to call it a night. I just have to find the end screen. So go ahead, say good night, Mark. Good night, Mark. Good night, Mark. All right, folks, we'll catch you next time. All the heart to my Iron Sysadmin peeps. Word. <laughs>